Ein Brot, ein Brot, ein Brot, ein Brot, Hi, hello, and howdy. This is Cutter Gonzalez. I'm the host of this podcast. And uh, I am so excited to introduce you to the second episode. I didn't know if we'd get this far, but here we are, and we're having a damn good time. In this episode, we're going to talk to Nancy Pappas of Headwaters at the Comal about the work her team is doing to preserve the history, business, and environment of our community. They've got lots of cool stuff going on, and Nancy's going to break it down for us. But first... I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that the intro music was a little different this time. If you've listened to the first two episodes, you heard some accordion music, but this time you heard Ein Prosit. And if you've been to Wurstfest, or probably Wasselfest, or any of my family gatherings, you've heard Ein Prosit before. We could do probably a whole episode on this song and traditions and ways it's used here in town, but uh, suffice it to say for now that this song is a part of our local heritage even though it didn't come from here. We'll do more about that later, but let me thank Isaac Klaus of the Lederhosen Junkies for recording it for us and allowing me to use it on this podcast. And without further ado, let's talk to Nancy. Okay, thank you. Yes, I'm Nancy Pappas. I'm known as the Managing Director of the Headwaters at the Comal Project here at the corner of Klingemann and Lakeview Avenue. The Headwaters Project is a 16-acre project. It's uh, a piece of property that has been owned and utilized by New Braunfels Utilities as a working water plant and was previously their operations center, and they had fleet facilities, warehouse, and operations here. New Braunfels Utilities outgrew the site and moved out in 2004. However, they still maintain a very important piece of the water infrastructure, a working water plant um, in this, in, at the side of this property. And uh, fortunately for us, when they went to determine how to best use this underutilized piece of property instead of developing it or sectioning off parts of it for um, commercialization. They recognized the really significant historical and environmental importance of this piece of property and determined with a stakeholder group to turn it into an environmental education center. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm a geographer myself. I think I mentioned that on the first two episodes of this podcast. And so uh, I hope a lot of the listeners that that are out there will will appreciate the work that's being done here. Um, I would love to go back to how the utility used this site originally. Because when you walk the property, you see a lot of these parts and you see some of it is still kind of living history that's still being used. Um, Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So interestingly enough, um, since you're a geography major, I'll start with the fact that we are here at the very end of the coastal plains and the Blackland Prairies and the very beginning of the Edwards Plateau and the beginning of the Texas Hill Country. So because of that, there is a fault line that runs along this escarpment that allows the springs of the Edwards Aquifer to bubble up and the Comal Springs are the most significant of those springs. So this place has been visited by people since the beginning of human occupation and we're talking back eight, ten thousand 10,000 years 
and more recent history, it was the first water source for the community of New Braunfels. It was owned by the Klingemann family, purchased by the city of New Braunfels in 1907, and then eventually became this working water plant. And so MBU just kind of, when they took over the water operations for the community, just kind of grew into this site. It was their main water source. Uh, we have historic buildings here that represent that history. Um, in 1934, they were built as part of a Works Progress Administration project, and so a cistern was um, built around the very first um, kind of more prolific springs in order, in a cat put on that, in order to protect it from the agriculture. And then they literally piped water out of that cistern to the community. Yeah, um, and, and you mentioned the Klingemann family. Mm -hmm. These springs were originally called the Klingemann Springs, weren't That's they? Correct. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and the Works Pro Progress Administration had a lot of influence here in New Braunfels that is really understated. Mm -hmm. I was at the Sophienburg, I think, a week or two ago, and there's a whole section dedicated to Works Pro uh, Progress projects. So, um, cool relating that to this property. So, um, I mean, you mentioned the escarpment, you mentioned um, the prairies. So why do you think it's of particular importance to preserve right here in mm. this spot? Gosh, so many reasons, right? That, that type of geographic significance, but bec also because of where we're placed and prior to this project starting. So, you know, from the 1930s to present time, this site continued to be um, utilized as a working water plant, which meant that there was a lot of asphalt put on the property and hard packed surfaces. And so because we sit at kind of the the beginning of this or the the watershed of this area flows onto this property. And so before this project started, that meant that pollutants were just carried straight across this property and deposited at the beginning of the Comal River. The environmental estimation was that over 12,000 pounds, pretty much a semi truck, or not a semi, but a, a big truck load of pollutants would wind up at the beginning of the Comal River on a normal rainfall year, not even a heavy rainfall year, right? Yeah. So we have removed that at the beginning of that asphalt and an impervious cover, and in place, we um, put in natural stormwater methods and diverted virtually all of those pollutants through natural means to clean and polish so that it doesn't hit the beginning of the Comal River, the heart and soul of the New Braunfels. Yeah, yeah, that's really wonderful. I, um, I'm i a big fan of, of the work done out here, I think, for a number of reasons. One, it's just beautiful to yeah. go out and, yes, and, and walk around <laughs> Blackland Prairie and, right. and see the escarpment. Like It's so obvious when you're on this mm -hmm. property that it's right there. You know, in other parts of the hill country, it's a little harder to tell. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, and amazing what we can do using methods that are right there in nature. Yes, and that, that's a big um, a piece of the Headwaters mission here uh, is to strengthen that relationship between the community and, and an understanding of the significance of the springs, but also to educate and demonstrate to people how we can use green infrastructure to help with um, stormwater management, flood abatement. You know, our native prairie grasses have roots that can be 20 feet long into the ground, so that holds the soil in place. 
And then also, you know, around around here, especially in New Braunfels, right? It's either bone dry or raging floods. Yep. It, we we barely get you know the the happy medium. And so these plants survive those those incredible conditions of both drought and flood. Yeah, they're incredibly resilient. Um, my my uncle worked for the Katy Prairie Conservancy for a long time, yeah. and was a big part of. Um, some of the prairies that have been developed in urban Houston, which was a big project um, because like here actually, there's kind of a cultural um, practice of having a, a green lawn, exactly. usually of non-native grasses. Mm -hmm. um, people don't realize the roots on those things go you know, a couple inches deep, as opposed to the native plants here, which um, right. are multiple feet mm -hmm. into the ground. Um, and that helps stabilize the banks and purify the water as it enters. It's exactly. a whole system, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I could rant for days about lawns. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and then the fertilizers on top Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Yeah, so, right. but we don't have to, to do that. Um, so how do, you know, most people I think are more familiar with the Comal Springs that they find in Landa Park. You know, the nine or so big springs right. and then the hundreds of smaller ones. Mm -hmm. How does this site relate to those? Right, so uh, as you um, indicated that the Comal River is made up of hundreds of spring orifices that bubble up from that Edwards aquifer. So our site here holds the the headwaters, the very beginning of that set of spring systems. And um, if when when hopefully your your listeners come and visit our site, they'll see that cistern that I mentioned. Um, they can see into peer into those headwater springs, and then as they walk along our our improved spring run, they'll see other springs kind of flowing out of the side. And so we are really at at where it begins, where the river literally begins, and the water up here is just crystal. Clear um, and clean, and so I think it's really important for people to understand where it begins, what it looks like when it starts, and how we can all take steps to make sure that it, it maintains that cleanliness as as much as humanly possible. Yeah, there's a lot of power I think in that image. Mm -hmm. um, I, I went to Texas State, and so I spent a lot of time at Spring Lake right. and the San Marcos River, which is just beautiful. Yes, um, and folks are often surprised when I've told them like. You know, actually, our spring system is slightly larger here mm -hmm. in New Braunfels, right? And there's no reason it should the river should look like it does compared to our neighbors a few yeah. miles north. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think um, land use, transportation, um, mm -hmm. all of these things come into play. Uh, and then the, just the preservation work or the conservation work rather of the community, which absolutely. which y'all are doing here, mm -hmm. um, which I'd love for you to talk about. If you could talk about kind of the the vision for this site, because when right. folks come here, they're seeing phase one, right? Absolutely, so. right, exactly. And we do um, we do have a grand vision of being a premier um, education center for this greater community. And, and our goal is really to inspire hearts and minds on the importance of conservation. So yes, we have this important water feature. We also have a significant archeological presence on this site because of these very springs, right? And people, as I indicated earlier, have been visiting them for thousands of years. So, you know, history is important to New Braunfels and, and this history goes back a long time. And so we want people to recognize that, honor it. We have so many people moving into the community that don't have the connection that people that have lived here for generations do to these springs. So we aspire to educate and demonstrate for the community how we can better live in harmony with these springs as we continue to grow. Uh, we want to protect and conserve these springs and you know these springs are home to 
four endangered and more threatened species that are endemic. They are only found here at these Kemel Springs. So that is vitally important to, to protect and improve the habitat for those species. We love to partner in research. You know, we have so many great things going on here. Um, can we show how these prairies um, capture carbon, how they help with flood mitigation, um, how they improve the diversity, support our monarch butterflies, other things. And then of course, just create an incredible community place. We want this to be a place that people think of to come to decompress, to connect to nature in a growing urban center. We have to recognize that and, and just relax and enjoy and maybe learn a little bit while they're here. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very important. I mean, when you go to the neighboring communities, whether it's San Antonio, San Marcos, Austin, um, there's been a lot of work done on this front and, and some really impressive stuff in each of those cities yeah. in different ways, right? right. Um, would Austin be Austin without the hike and bike trail around Lady Bird Lake? Right. It wouldn't, right? right. It became such a community resource. Mm -hmm. um, and Land of Park in New uh, Braunfels, yeah. despite being um, developed somewhat and, and right. with a number of non-native species <laughs> planted yep. by the original family, but right. um, it's still this great resource uh, and people love to be out among it mm -hmm. here. Um, and so I think the work here at the Headwaters and with some of the Comal Trail stuff, mm -hmm. um, that's gonna be of vital importance. Um, and there's a connection between these kind of properties and the environmental amenities and urban health yeah, and the welfare, especially with aging populations mm -hmm. and, and with young families. I mean, it's all connected is, right. is I think the thing. I think as an environmentalist of any stripe, we talk about a lot of how everything is connected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's really important. Um, this community, interestingly enough, because I think they do value the environment, but they're, they're pretty big water consumers. And so we really are hoping to inspire people to make a few behavior changes. We're not asking people to you know, give up their green lawn, but there are ways to modify and to you know, maybe have a little smaller lawn um, and then plant some other natives reduces your maintenance, reduces your water usage, um, and, and grow the value, the understanding of what really the cost of water is. And come into better balance with that. I think we all have to recognize that water is a finite resource. And if we don't protect it and cherish it, it won't be there for us um, forever. Right, yeah, I think the, the earlier settle, settlers of this area would agree that it's a very finite resource, yeah, right? Absolutely. I mean, um, any student of Texas history knows how much water played a part. Right. Um, and, and still, I mean, culturally, our, our biggest cities are all built along waterways, and that's not unique to this, this place, but um, certainly of vital importance, but I think we take that for granted given how industrial we are uh, and how urban we are. It's mm -hmm. like we turn on the tap. Right, there's your water. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. it, it, there's a disconnect between where it came yes. from and how it gets there. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things when I first came out here was that Headwaters didn't shy away from the urban use of water, that it was used for human consumption. Um, a lot of times in environmental projects, you find that it's like people versus nature. You know, they're separate. Um, but here, you didn't treat it that way, which I like a lot. Um, I think it's a healthier way to look at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what is going on at the, the, the big round metal thing that people will pass out there and the big pipe that comes out of it. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, so let me, let me take a step back and, and share. This is a big project, as we mentioned, 16 acres. Um, we've, we've created kind of this first phase, which was really to protect and conserve the springs and install this native prairie. 
our grand vision for this site is to continue to repurpose the buildings on site. And so people will enter our center here, be kind of greeted with the long story of people here, the archeology. span They'll walk through in a future phase, we'll have an incredible Comal Springs Environmental Education Center, which is a constructed representation of the Edwards Aquifer ecosystem, replete with vines and pollinator attracting plants and these sailcloths that catch dew and condensation and channeled into a, um, a black water reuse system. So we'll be right. reusing water on site. So people come in, kind of get this conceptual idea of the, of the Edwards Aquifer, then they walk out to the actual Comal Springs right here, the headwaters, and right behind them is this big water storage tank that you mentioned that is um, part of that water plant, which is pulling water from the Edwards Aquifer, treating it, and then delivering it out to the community. And so, you know, it's this real connected tie-in to people of what, when they turn on the tap, where their water is coming from. And um, every kind of piece of this project was created, envisioned to connect people to water. Are we in periods of drought or periods of heavy rainfall? You know, what, what things impact our water system? And the diverter pipe that you mentioned um, is a piece that was done in phase one. That pipe that comes out of the water storage tank used to hit a concrete pad if there were emergencies and treated chlorinated water would really just hit the Comal Springs. Now that water is diverted to a gabion basket, um, which is a rock, rock-filled basket, and allowed to kind of flow through our, our natural stormwater management system and allow those gases to release and again be absorbed by the plants and roots so those types of incidents don't happen again. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. And I think it's something that um, everyone would do well to think about when they come here mm -hmm. is to see that relationship. Like right. I said, to me it was striking that it was it was kept on site, which I love yeah. uh, because of that relationship. Um, so I, I wanna ask you something practical here. If someone was to come visit the headwaters, um, what would you advise them to do right now? Okay, so first thing, best thing to do is to get onto our website, which is headwatersatthecanal.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but the website is a great way to access kind of what our, out, what our current hours are. And right now we're really open Monday through Saturday. We do ask people to pre-register. There is, um, you can become a member, which uh, allows you for a year to visit as often as you'd like. Um, outside of becoming a member, we do ask for a $5 admission fee to help maintain the grounds. Um, and so you can get on the site, you can see when our open hours are, you could register um, and pay your admission online. Uh, and you can see what kind of programs we're offering too. We're really excited this summer to be offering some youth education. And in fact, we'll have a half day watershed education program for youth and in another session in July. We're expanding our adult programs after COVID now too, which we're really excited about. And so see what's happening, sign up, come out and visit, and you can see a fly-through video of what the site will look like in future phases, um, find out a little bit more about the archeology, span or, or literally just get on and sign up for your admission and come on out and visit us. Yeah, that's great, uh, and I hope people do. It's, it's awesome out here. So, um, two questions for you, kind of related. 
this one's a hypothetical. If, okay. you, if you had a magic wand uh -huh. and you could change one thing in the city to improve our environmental resources mm -hmm. or the way we manage them, what would you do? That's a big one. That is a big one. And it's a lot to, you know, it's a lot to ask, but I really do wish people would consider removing some. I, as in fact, as I was driving in today um, to work, I noticed how much green lawn there is. And we have lots of beautiful trees, but we are losing our other biodiversity of, of um, grasses and native plants. They're so important to our environment. They're important to our water, water quality and quantity, but even more than that, they're important to our birds and butterflies and other insects. Dragonflies are so important to our ecosystem. They keep down the mosquito population, right? So if well, I think we can all get behind that right, nowadays. I know, yeah, absolutely. With all this rain um, earlier in May, uh, yeah. Uh, so if everyone would just consider even just taking out a small bit of their lawn and installing a little native kind of prairie area, a couple of native grasses, one or two salvia or lantana or some other kind of more native um, flowering species, I think one, they'll derive a lot of pleasure from those types of plants. It's less work, they'll reduce their water bill. Uh, to me, if we could get all, more people to do that, it would make a huge difference in our community. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, I know you said you're not uh, you're not gonna tell people to get rid of their lawns, but I will. <laughs> Great, thank <laughs> so, you. <laughs> um, yeah, and that actually kind of answered the second question. Is I was gonna ask, you know, what what we can do um, to do better uh, yeah. in, in, in your brothels. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, this is a it's a nationwide. Um, challenge right now. Uh, there's a great book by Doug Talame who um, it, he talks about the importance. We, we are losing our native prairies, our native landscapes, and really the only way at this point to tackle that challenge is for each individual to plant a little bit of that native um, landscape in their own yard. And But by doing that, we can almost create almost like a national park type level of protecting and conserving our native species, including the birds and, and insects, which are so important. And then, you know, right there, they feed the bat population. And all of these things work together so well until humans disrupt it. <laughs> so how can we, uh, how can we, live in better harmony with these beautiful ecosystems that we have across the United States and most especially here in New Braunfels. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's excellent. Um, I think we'll, we'll call it a wrap there. That's some great, great stuff. Well, thank, thank you so you. much, Nancy. Oh, appreciate um, your time and yeah, coming out here. And no, thanks for, for all of your wonderful insights. Um, I'm excited to see the property grow Me and too. change. It's going to be really <laughs> great. It's, it's really going to be a gem for our community. So thanks so much for your work. Thank you. If you're interested in visiting, like she said, they ask for a $5 admission fee just to help them cover the cost of all the great work they're doing. Um, you can visit the site at 333 East Klingemann Street, New Braunfels, Texas, 78130. I hope you'll go out there, take a walk, and enjoy it. I know it's a little bit hot outside these days. This episode's coming out in the end of June, and it's in the mid-90s again. But go in the morning sometime or the evening and definitely make a trip down there in the fall and winter. Things will probably look, sound, and feel a little bit different. And as the Headwaters expands, I hope you consider con uh, contributing to their mission. And as always, keep listening to this podcast. 
We'll be back with more great stories about New Braunfels and New Braunfelsers here in a couple weeks. Until next time, prost, damn it. <laughs>